Welcome to Keys to the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God, specifically about the church and what the church's role is in preaching the Kingdom of God, teaching the Kingdom of God, teaching the way of Christ, which is the only solution, the only salvation that anybody can hope for in this world or in the next. We've started a series covering the guidelines of his church, which we refer to as altars or even auxiliaries. Congregations are auxiliaries of his holy church. Uh, His holy church is not a corporate entity created by men. It is a corporate entity created by Christ. And it is only his holy church when we conform to the ways of Christ and to what Christ was doing, what he was saying for us to do, and his instructions. Most churches are not following those instructions, which is why the world is in the state that it is in today, why it's going to go through the calamities and catastrophes that we have already seen, begun, and will see in the future. Those calamities and catastrophes have included world wars, world uh, economic depressions and recessions, uh, the loss of... uh, revenue for millions upon millions of homes and families that have been devastated by the shenanigans that is always perpetrated on the people by the Nimrods and Cains of the world. Nimrod and Cain had a certain spirit in them, a spirit of selfishness, a spirit of control. It is the spirit of Satan. Satan wants you to do what's right, but he wants to force you to do what's right. Christ wants you to do what he wants you to do based upon an understanding and a love for his ways. That's very important. That's very important to understand that uh, Cain uh, wanted to force Compliance. Nimrod wants to force compliance. In order to have the right to do so, he wants you to covenant with him, to contract with him, to apply to him, to pray to him for your benefits, for your needs, for whatever it is that you think you need. And this is the way governments gain more and more control over the people because the people don't take responsibility for themselves. And we're going to be talking about these guidelines of the church that show you how to take responsibility for yourself, how to become a part of what Christ was doing, what the early church was doing. And we're going to bring those precepts that were a part of the gospel into a real functioning uh, community. It's not an organization like most organizations you know. It's not an incorporation like most corporations you know. But it is a way that a free government can operate, even in the midst of tyranny, and function in a society based on faith, hope, and charity. And that's the guidelines, precept, that you will see coming through to teach you the ways of Christ 
and to function in a real way, in a real world, so that you have a way of attending to what Christ refers to as the weightier matters. Last week we talked about His Church and Sacred Purpose Trust is an irrevocable ministerial charitable altar of Christ. It is a living altar composed of living souls. And there are sacrifices that we lay upon that altar, which is whatever we choose to give to those living souls. And they take the reins and control of those items that we give them for the purposes of Christ because they that's what the church is. It's something that serves the purposes of Christ. It's sacred because when you give it, you give it up entirely. You give it up entirely into the custody and control of someone you believe is doing the work of Christ. That makes it not an incorporated or unincorporated association, but a sacred purpose trust. And that is part of the role of the church and that is necessary for the practice of pure religion because in pure religion you have to take care of the needy of your society the widows the orphans the people who cannot be taken care of by their family because their family has been injured or incapacitated in some way and so therefore they need the help of society because of their circumstances and pure religion is to take care of those people unspotted by the world so the grantor of this sacred purpose trust is whoever contributes to it and they give it as if they are giving it to Jesus Christ himself but they give it to someone they believe is representing him We went on to item three, the minister of a trust of his church is nominated by the represented members of the congregation or assembly of the people or appointed by a protector uh, and appointed by a protector of the church. In other words, we have two processes here. We have someone who recognizes this individual as a minister and gives him something to operate with as a minister. And we have someone else who is already accepted as a minister, recognizing that he is also a minister. And this is important for a number of legal reasons, but it's very important in a networking reason, uh, which is what the early church was, what the kingdom of God has always been as a network, like your body as a network of a nervous system, as a circulatory system. This network concept means that Ten people pick a minister, and that minister gets together with other ministers, and he picks a minister. That minister becomes an overseer by recognition, not by power or authority, because that's not what the purpose of an episcopo, a bishop, is. He's an overseer to help you keep you on the straight path, because supposedly he's been on this path already. And he knows the pitfalls. He knows where the dangers, the soft shoulders, where where you might get into trouble. He knows the way. He's your guide uh, in the physical world, but we know that ultimately it is the spiritual guide of Christ in us that is what we must depend on. But you create this network by this process. 
so that eventually you tell ten people and the whole congregation of congregations of congregations know about your problem and can work on it. This is very important in Israel. It's very important in all voluntary systems of government that you create this network because you're now the government. You're responsible for your neighbor as much as you're responsible for yourself, and you don't mind that because you love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. In order to implement that responsibility, you need to create a network of connections that connect you one with each other. We just There was a recent movie, Avatar, in which supposedly people were using the trees as their network and, and connecting each other so that they can work as one people and in conjunction with nature well there's a certain truth in that i'm not advocating the movie in any way but the reality is is that network in the kingdom is based upon mutual love and faith and hope and charity you cannot love christ unless you love one another and you cannot love one another unless you forgive one another so forgiveness and giving is extremely important in a free society and christ knew this which is why he emphasized these things and not the doctrines you read about in most churches. Item four was the protector of the sacred purpose trust is accepted by the elected minister and recognized by the grantors of the trust as an anointed minister of his holy church. Again, this is just part of the network, which we just discussed. Now we're going on to item number five, the beneficiary of his church in Sacred Purpose Trust is Jesus Christ, a.k.a. Yeshua, Yahshua, uh, highest son of David, son of man. Uh, it's very important that we talk about Christ being the origin of the church, the same as Moses was the origin of the kingdom of God uh, called Israel, the place where God prevailed, the people where God prevailed. And it prevailed for a while, but didn't prevail forever. Christ was, he took the kingdom away from the people that had that kingdom, which at that time where the Pharisees were in control, and said he was going to appoint it to another group that he said was going to bear fruit. And that group was his little flock. And he explains all this, but you, you go to the modern doctrines and modern churches, oh, they don't see the connection. Oh, Israel's over here and the church is over here. No, he took the kingdom away from them and gave it to these guys who were uh, sons of Israel. I mean, they were citizens of Judea. They were uh, bloodline descendants of Israel. And where those bloodlines are now, that even the New Testament tells you, you don't know where they are exactly. People say, oh, well, it's the Saxons and the Issachs and the Danites. And, well, maybe it was, but... Abraham was nine generations away from Shem, so you don't know who's mixed with what group. You can't tell which one is actually because it's just been too long and there's no accurate way to know for sure. And besides, the, what we're looking for is not merely sons of Abraham, but sons of the faith of Abraham. And that is the seed that we need to see. That is the seed that tells us who is the true sons of Abraham is who has faith because that is the seed that we need to have growing in us or we cannot be the kingdom and people are not living by faith they are living living by 
the guarantees of men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. We need to get back to that living by faith, by hope only, by charity only. And But it's very important, as I said, and this is what 5 emphasizes, that Jesus Christ is the beginning. We are an apostolic church. It is this passing down of the commands of Christ that we must obey by conviction, not merely by belief. This holy church has been appointed by the beneficiary to minister to his faithful, his children, and those who wish to return to the Lord in his kingdom on earth. Therefore, as his subjects and ministers, they represent the beneficiary in service. So what we're saying here is the ministers who take on the role of being the ministers of Christ are the beneficiaries in service. Christ is still the head. Christ is still the owner. But that's what we saw originally when we were talking in those first few uh, guidelines. Is And this all has to fit together. You can't have these dangling parts out there. So there's, these precepts are overlapping in these 20 little items that we mentioned in the guidelines. Is that when you give to the minister, you're not giving to him as a possession. You're giving to him in trust. It is Christ possession and he is managing it it's kind of like the bureau of land management in the united states they don't really own that land they're holding it in trust and managing it these are governmental concepts and you're either uh, operating according to those governmental concepts or you're all over the field and don't have any way in which you are coming together in a practical sense And so when you give to the minister, you're giving to Christ, and he is responsible and answerable to Christ for how he uses that. And if you have faith, you will understand that that is a big deal. That is a powerful deal that protects what you do. Okay, so we've covered all the way up through 6. Now we're going on to 7. His Holy Church may receive, consecrate, and equitably reconvert property on behalf of the beneficiary to the exclusive use and sanctification of the beneficiary as his holy church belongs to the beneficiary and they hold all things in common. That is very important, and this is one of the things most people don't understand. If we're being returned every man to his possession, and every man to his family, then why are we holding all things in common? Well, actually, there are two different things going on here. The Levites held all things in common. The Levites held no personal estate. This was a precept that is very important in government. And you would be amazed at how many people understood this uh, who were forming the original American government. And uh, that's one of the reasons why they argued on behalf of the Bill of Rights, because they knew that by becoming a senator, a congressman, uh, a member of that federal government, that they were taking on certain duties and obligations, and they wanted to protect their rights. It wasn't about your rights, because you weren't really a member. You weren't even a party to the Constitution, something we cover in contracts, uh, covenants, and constitutions. You became a party since then, 
But you weren't originally a party to the Constitution. It wasn't put to your vote. You weren't asked if it was okay because you weren't a party to it. Uh, things have changed, but that's very important. If you weren't a party to it, then the Bill of Rights really didn't have anything to do with you. It had to do with the members of the United States federal government, such as congressmen, senators, employees, etc., etc. But now it does have something to do with you, but uh, it has to do with you under a more corporate setting, which is another topic we will not have time to get into here. But the point is, is uh, that this uh, equitable conversion of property, if you were to send something to someone and give it away to somebody who lived in Cuba, you sent them a care package. That care package is now the property of that individual. If that individual is a property of the state of Cuba, which is the case in in uh, most communist governments, in, in most democratic socialist governments, the people are a property of the state, they're human resources, uh, then you have equitably converted the use of that property to somebody else because you gave it away. You gave everything that you had into the hands of somebody else who lives in another jurisdiction. And uh, the United States federal government has no control over that object anymore that you've given away. And that's one of the reasons why they put a restrictions on some of the things that you could send to Cuba. But there are less restrictions on what you could send to somebody in England or uh, Venezuela or wherever. Or Mexico, but when it goes into the hand of that individual who is subject to the government of that country, you have equitably converted, legally equitably converted that to their possession. Well, originally everything in this planet belonged to God, and He gave dominion of it to some people, and since then they have created governments like Keynes and Lamex and Nimrod and Caesars and Pharaohs and all the governments we see today, and they have given their right of dominion to those leaders who exercise authority one over the other, something Christ said not to do. So now how do you... You have equitably converted your right of dominion into the hands of these leaders. The voice of the people have elected their souls of today, and by that rejected God. That's what the election of Saul was allowed by God, but it was called a rejection by God. And we have to realize that God did not create these governments out here in the world today. You did. And in order to do it, you had to reject God and elect these leaders. Go read Samuel 8. They tell you what's going to happen when you do that. You've done it, and what they said was going to happen has happened. Now you need to repent. Now you know what you need to repent. You need to start turning around and going another way. And this is what we're talking about in these guidelines. Well, how do you take property with you in that other way? Well, you can't. You can't expatriate from these governments of the world and leave them and take your stuff. That's foreboding. It's not allowed. They will, uh, they will uh, confiscate everything, or at least 40% in most countries. Some countries, they will confiscate every single thing you have, and you can leave with the pants you're wearing, and that's about it. But there is another way, and this is what Christ was setting up. This is what Moses was even setting up. 
And it's not easy because you must do it in according to righteousness. Our righteousness must exceed theirs. And so this is why the church is a very important thing. Some of you may be connecting the pieces together here, but uh, you have to stay tuned because <laughs> a lot of you have not connected those pieces together. But His Holy Church, because the gift is freely and completely given, and because the ministers are separate, just like the Levites, just like the bond servants of the early church, owning all things in common, that's something that a lot of people today don't want to believe. But that's very important, and we go through that in our articles on uh, vows, etc., etc. And before we, that, now that's a catchphrase. You use the word vows, and people immediately want to turn off. But the reality is, the vows. There's two words translated into concepts like vows, and one has to do with oaths and affirmations, and the other one has to do with prayers. And they have very much a different legal. Uh, uh, carry an influence over what you're doing and if you read our accord you will see what those differences are so in number 8 we see his church and sacred purpose trust is established at the moment the property tangible or intangible is granted to the holding possession of the ministers of trust Again, these are ministers of trust. They're ministers of God, but they're also ministers of trust. They're, there's more than one camp that they wear. And they're simply holding possession. And they hold that possession in common so that you, if, you, if you were to try to take away from him, you will also be taking away from him over here. So you cannot hold what he is holding as, something to cover the actions of that individual and therefore it becomes immune to a great many court actions that would be perpetrated by the world now if you are really moving according to the spirit of christ your protector is christ now how many times uh have we talked about or the bible talks about go and cry into the gods which you have chosen for yourself because i will not hear you in that day the reality is that if you're really doing, not faking it, but really doing what Christ said, then when you do cry out because of injustice, he will hear you, and he will send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. And it is a powerful Comforter. And a lot of people won't believe that, but then they're probably not ready for the kingdom. But the reality is that is a powerful place to be. And it will be a place where God prevails. It will be the true Israel of God. So this tangible or intangible property is granted to the holding possession of the ministers of trust, accepting that the mere promise or pledge of payment is not considered property and cannot by itself form a trust or corpus which is one of the reasons why we do not recommend that you give a Federal Reserve note. Uh, that doesn't count as actual property. That's a promise to pay. So we want something tangible. It's a technicality, but it's important that we look at some of these technicalities because they help guide us on this path. And we will talk more about this path and how we are guided on this path by following the three 
I pledge allegiance to the King of Kings and to his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. One holy nation and a heavenly Father, great mercy, justice for all. Gold and silver is tremendously undervalued. Global demand vastly exceeds mine supply by more than 60% annually. There is little in the financial world more certain than a coming explosion in the prices of gold and silver. The U.S. dollar continues to lose value and respect as the world's reserve currency. Our nation faces challenges on many fronts, and a day doesn't pass without another economist bringing forth warnings of impending economic calamity. There has never been a better time than right now to acquire physical gold and silver. Discount Gold and Silver Trading was founded on the principles of truth and honesty. We believe in providing a quality product, quality service, and most importantly, competitive pricing. We provide all forms of precious metals, including American gold, silver, platinum, and rare investment and circulated coins. Silver bars, rounds, and 90% silver bags are on hand for the silver investor. Gold self-directed IRAs are available. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. Toll free, that's 1-800-375-4188. If you read the history books, the most often asked questions of Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South. Was it the Civil War or... War of Federal Aggression. John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Past Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free, or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. War of Federal Aggression. Get this DVD presentation for a donation of $25 from FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Order online today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Call 559-781-3773. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of Federal Aggression. Get it today. You are listening to the Worldwide First Amendment Radio Network. We do not have freedom of speech because the Constitution gives it to us. The Constitutional Amendment was written to keep the government from taking our freedom away. The Creator gave us our rights, but He also gives us the capacity to do evil or usurp the rights of others. Our individual rights end where the rights of another begin. No one has the right to do evil because evil can never be right. Those who would seek to limit your right to speak or hear the truth are the same who seek to subjugate, control, and enslave you. Freedom is not free. Support the Worldwide First Amendment Radio Network by going to FirstAmendmentRadio.com on the Internet and following the instructions there to support us. Thank you for listening. Kingdom. First, a few announcements. Uh, we're going to have a retreat out here in Summer Lake, Oregon. Uh, we're putting together uh, a list of people that are coming. Uh, that would be done through the registry at hisholychurch.org. Over there on the left-hand side, you'll see the uh, word events. Um, click on that, go to retreat, and sign the registry. Uh that registry will allow uh, us to know if you're coming. We will, if you're on the Living Network already, which is another thing you can link to, the little guy up there with a the net, join the Living Network, uh, tell us about yourself. We will try to link people up as they travel across the country. 
I have no idea how many people may show up. Everybody's welcome. There's plenty of camping areas. Uh, there'll be lots of activities. It will be from about September 23rd, 24th, uh, really get going over that weekend of the 25th and 26th, and uh, then wind down on the 27th, if I have any voice left at that time. <laughs> But uh, it, we will be sharing a lot of information we don't share on the radio. We will be answering a lot of questions. But more important, we will be meeting people from all over the country, even all over the world. Uh, and that's very important in creating those bonds which will connect us. Because the bonds of the kingdom are not contractual. They are based on love and faith and hope and charity. So join that. Also, we have a new article on newswithviews.com. You go there and look for Gregory as an author. Click on that. Uh, Defining Lies is the most recent article that just came out this morning. And uh, join the Kingdom News list, uh, which you join at our website at hisholychurch.org. And uh, join the Living Network. Okay, back to the guidelines of his church, altars and auxiliaries. We had gone all the way up through number eight. And uh, his church and sacred purpose trust is established at the moment that the property, tangible or intangible, is granted to the holding possession of the minister. That's a trust. Like we said before, mail a letter, you create a trust. You're giving something into the hands of somebody who does not own it, but he is controlling it for the purposes laid out in the trust agreement, which includes your address and your return address and the you know, stamp, that's a trust, and that's an element of government. It is part, a very essential part of what Christ was doing, what Moses was doing, what Abraham was doing, and that's why we talk about altars. We are living altars of Christ. And it's very important that when we act as those living altars that we're actually providing the services of Christ. Feed my sheep. Uh, pure religion. Actually taking care of people. And that's what the early church did. As I pointed out, the early church had lots of property. It had lots of people working. It had lots of provisions to help people get through very hard times. Uh, eventually, some of the Roman emperors confiscated some of that property, but before Constantine, it was already being returned to the church and to those ministers. Constantine was doing something quite the opposite of what Christ said to do, and we should not be deluded by the religion born out of Constantine. And we go into that also in Thy Kingdom Come. But let's go on here to guideline number nine a little bit longer than some of the others, the purposes of his church and sacred purpose trust. Two different concepts here. Two different elements of government. In most governments, there are two elements, the element of trust and the element of incorporation. If you incorporate an individual with another individual, a portion of his rights are gone because they are now incorporated. This is what incorporation does. All this coming together by social contract causes a waiving of individual rights. When that corporation is ongoing, you don't have access to those rights. And that's why you have to create these constitutions. 
the constitution of Christ is to love thy neighbor as thyself. That is the binding element. But it doesn't mean that you don't give up some part of your personal corpus. You do. That's the offering. You never give up your right to choose to offer. You only give up the object of your offering. And you make it very clear that this is what I'm giving you, and I'm giving it entirely, and I'm keeping the right to decide to give to you next week, or the week after, or tomorrow, or whenever. In most governments, when you join, you give up your right to decide when to choose, what to choose to give up. And they come and they tell you, time to donate, time to contribute. And you have to do this by social contract. And we've entered into many of those social contracts over the years. And uh, the provisions of modern governments throughout the world have been allowing you to go get your Social Security number, your SESHALO, your uh, social insurance number, whatever it is, in order to obtain those benefits from those benefactors who exercise authority, one over the other. You're literally joining the church of the state when you do that, because the way in which you take care of the needy of your society is your religion. That is religion, not these philosophies and doctrines that you're making up. In this uh, document that we're going to share with those people who come to the retreat, uh, which is, I mentioned on uh, Blog Talk uh, Radio, that, you know, it's $100,000 worth of documents. <laughs> That's what it costs to compile this, uh, and probably then some. Uh, we're going to be sharing that with those who come to the retreat to look at. They may not get their own copy to take home because they don't know who's going to copy it. But while they're here, they'll have plenty to look at and uh, uh, to share with one another, which will spark many conversations. Uh, this, this information is uh, the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And uh, it's, a, it's an amazing plan that Christ was laying out for his apostles. And it's all there in the New Testament. But you will not see it unless you have knowledge of the environment in which it was written, the context of the Gospels. The Gospels were spoken, and the context was the context of the times, the history, the laws, the, the customs of that times. And if you don't understand them you will very easily misunderstand what you're reading in the Gospels. And the modern churches are completely uneducated in exactly what was going on in those times. So, number nine, the purposes of the church in the Sacred Purpose Trust, two items of government, is to receive the contributions of the congregation and the people from whatever source and to convert their use to the beneficiary, which is Christ, who was king, and his servants in the performance of their duties as prescribed by the Father and the beneficiary, who again is Christ. The ministers of his holy church may bring to the attention of the ministers and the congregation, the needs of his holy church, but the congregation has original determination of charitable contributions. 
and the ministers of trust has the full discretion in the final distribution of the funds received by his church altar. In other words, each stone of the altar is a man, and he receives from someone in the congregation or even from the world a contribution that is entirely given up. And he has the right of sole determination as to how that funds is to be used. Now, we have the total responsibility of observing the practice of religion, the distribution of those funds. And so, therefore, our determination is what determines, is this man really an altar of Christ, a stone of the altar of Christ? How these stones fit together is by recognition, not by hewing them, not by regulating them, not by chipping away your rights, but by recognizing your rights and the exercise of your duties. We can fit together and form this altar of living stones by mutual recognition which is going to require a great deal of forgiveness and, and uh, giving a one to another. Now, why is this important? Well, we'll go into more of it later on, but the principle here is that you are stones of a living altar, that you are not regulated by a centralized democracy or elite ruling class, but you are regulated by the Holy Spirit, and other men recognize that spirit in you, and through the communion of that Holy Spirit, you work as a functioning body bound together by faith, hope, and charity. And the prayer to do the will of God. Not my will, but thine. And this unit of men created by this mutual purpose of Christ becomes this living altar of Christ which has representation in the law of nations as a governing body. Yes, the church is a governing body, a government, a separate sacred government from all other governments, governing itself. But it doesn't have the same capacities or, let's say, precepts ingrained in itself that we see in the governments of the Gentiles who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. We are the benefactors that operate by faith, hope, and charity. And unless you create a society that operates by faith, hope, and charity, you will not be free. You will be under tribute. You will be crushed because you do not have God as your protector. Because Christ is only where two or more are gathered in his name according to his character, in his way, in his path. Not because you say, Lord, Lord. Not to say because you say, I love Jesus. But because you actually do it, the will of the Father. Will you do it perfectly? No. But God is forgiving. But you at least have to have the precepts and principles and policies of Christ that you be striving to see. Many are called, few are chosen. Strive so that you may enter at the straight and narrow gate. Because many will not enter in. So number 10, 
A minister of trust must choose to reject a contribution for reasons including, but not limited to, the property is more of a liability than a value. The minister of trust is not capable of managing the property properly. Uh, the intent of the grantor is not sincere charity, but has some sort of ulterior purpose, such as a bribe, which is obviously an ulterior purpose, or deprive others of the rightful benefit uh, to the gain in influence. To do all sorts of things. If you don't feel that this gift is freely given with no strings attached, the minister should not receive the gift. Now, we have turned down many gifts. And it wasn't always because the individual was malevolent. It just was not right. Uh, one of the things that a lot of people don't understand, and we'll touch on it here, we only have a limited amount of time, so we won't go into in depth in the Free Church Report. We talk about it. Uh, there's a lot of things hidden even between the lines. If you don't read the footnotes in the Free Church Report, you'll miss a lot of stuff. But there's a thing called the Statute of Uses and the Statute of Mormaine. And when the true church was being reformed out of existence by the false church and being murdered left and right back in 900 and, and uh, 1100 and 1100 A.D., uh, the uh, Statue of Uses and Statue of Mormon came in place because this was also the time of the rise of the kings who believed themselves to be the fountainhead of justice. We covered a lot of this in the Covenants of the Gods. Uh, that rise of those kings a uh, thousand years after Christ, uh, which was stamping out liberty and freedom everywhere they could. They referred to it as rebellions, but really those were freedom fighters they were crushing and killing and murdering by the thousands and millions. Uh, these uh, these uh, mo uh, this movement in this direction of these uh, kings caused many people to take their property and give it to the church or at least what was posing as a church, and they would give it in trust. And then, then you couldn't, once they had given it in trust, the king could not come and say, well, you've committed this crime, and so therefore, whether fiction or real or whatever, and so therefore we're going to take your property away from you. Well, it's not my property. I gave this property away in trust. Now, the government was actually doing this, we see that in uh, the Magna Carta. Most people don't understand that when uh, the Roman Church challenged John for having signed the Magna Carta and actually squeezed all of England economically uh, with sanctions because he had signed this Magna Carta, John's argument was, hey, it doesn't really matter anyway. I've already given my chattels and chosen and actions to you in trust. So the Pope already had control over the office of the king. And, and this wasn't new with John. We already saw it way back as the Archbishop of Canterbury crowning William the Conqueror. Um, he becomes the overseer uh, by his recognition of that throne that is now claiming to be the fountainhead of justice. This is a huge transition in the way governments operated up until that time, none of which is taught today in school. 
But this transition into this other world, which we have been locked into and bound into, uh, was over a period of time. But this idea of giving that trust, uh, giving what belonged to you in trust to somebody else so that if you were found guilty of a crime, you, whether you were guilty or not was irrelevant, they could not take that property, was overthrown by the statute of uses in the statute of Mortmain, which actually means the dead hand, because they said you gave that in trust in order to deprive the king of the right to take it away from you <laughs> and not really giving it in trust to the purposes of the trust you're claiming. And this has been a terrible problem. I've seen men go to jail. I, I know they're going to jail now, and they're going to go to jail in the future because they try to create a trust by giving their property to a trust, running around the other side of the table or altar, doesn't make any difference, and you go around there and pick it up again and say, well, I gave this away, and now I have it again, but I don't really have it. It's in trust. That does not work. Statute of Uses, Statute of Mortmain will kill that every time. You must really give it away. And we see that with men like Barnabas, who was a Levite, who sold his property, laid it at the foot of the apostles, creating a trust, but he actually gave up control of it. Later on, he was put in control of finances, but he was living the life of Christ. He was serving the people. He had become the faith emergency management auxiliary head for the church uh, when there were dearths and depressions that he, he brought the relief. Uh, and he could bring it to the gates of Rome because it was sacred. And it was recognized way back since the days of Augustus that he could do this. And it's recognized today that you can create your own faith emergency management auxiliary through your church and your congregations and your networking congregations that can protect you in hard times. And the government legally, lawfully cannot touch those funds. But you have to really do it. None of this, I'm giving it all away, run around the table picking it up again. That's a dead hand. You, and, and if you give your property to the church and live on that property, you need to create a clear and exact record that you are actually serving Christ's purposes, or it looks like it's a total fraud. And uh, if you don't create that record, it will be construed as a total fraud, and you are foolish to think otherwise. So it's very important that uh, this idea that we see in number 10, the minister of the trust may choose to reject a contribution if he does not think it is freely given. And we see that, uh, or if there's some sort of problem with Ananias, who followed Hoses, who became Barnabas, if you read that in Acts, where it talks about Ananias. Read the chapter before, Hoses, who was a Levite in uh, Cyprus sold his property, gave all the money, became a minister of the church, and ended up being in charge of the money. While Ananias, who claimed to be a minister of the church, sold property, could have kept all the money, but now he was laying it at the foot of the apostles. Why? Because he was going to become one of these ministers owning all things in common, 
not just a member of the congregation because the congregation was actually being moved into the direction uh, step by step was the case in Judea at first but then in other countries it took a little bit more of a process where they were returning every man to his possessions and every man to his family they did not own all things the people of the congregation did not own all things in common they owned what they owned and gave what they gave entirely and took care of one another by faith, hope, and charity. Only the ministers owned things in common because they were bond servants of Christ, representatives of Christ, not standing between you and God, but facilitating the kingdom of God as true titular leaders of a government referred to as a viable republic in the heart of the Roman Empire by historians, some of the best historians of that time. And that's what we need. The early church was a republic. In other words, its leaders were titular, and yet it served the people as a government that did not exercise authority one over the other. Can we create that relationship today? We can if we let Christ in our hearts. We can if we repent and turn around and go the other way. And it's very important that we take that journey now. Begin the steps of that journey now. Well, we'll touch a little bit real quick here in the remaining time on some of the other ten uh, guidelines of this so that you can understand how this works. But we'll also eventually get into the administrative guidelines which are kind of our administrative rules, but we call them administrative rules because they are based upon voluntary compliance, unlike other governments who will force this. Our power is to withdraw recognition and let you go your way. Uh, that is the only power we have. We cannot, we don't send stormtroopers to your house and knock in your doors and beat you up if you don't comply. We just say, okay, I can't go along with that. Have a nice day. We dust the dust off our feet and we go on our way. We create great divisions, but it also creates a great bond of faith, hope, and charity because that is the core of our operation. His Church and Sacred Purpose Trust is not an investment trust it, and its purposes is to serve rather than be served. This includes, but is not limited to, his church does not seek to collect interest, to engage in commercial enterprises, to obtain gain, to speculate value fluctuations for profit, nor to hoard a great treasure of wealth of the world, but rather to return every man unto his possessions and shall return every man unto his family, for it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now that goes for those families too. They need to be giving people and forgiving people, or they cannot come together in these free will congregations, which are not unincorporated associations, but bound again only by faith, hope, and charity. These precepts are repeated. It says, okay, there's 20 items in the trust, yet every single one of them comes from a little bit different point of view and overlaps in the same basic principles, like a spoke of a wheel. 
and this is very important in understanding because we're always pointing towards this central goal of living together under God alone by His precepts under faith, hope, charity. So until we meet again, think about this, study these, these are all on the, the net, look at the Living Network and they will show you a way to see the free church report and may peace be upon your house and God be with you. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.